everyone, and welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. Uh, welcome, everybody, to our rom-com podcast. <laughs> Why did you sound like that? I don't know, man. Sometimes voices happen. Okay. I'm a little weird today because I'm not with you, which is just so very weird. We're, we're doing a podcast like how everybody else does a podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Separately. Separate but equal. Yes. I don't know. Isn't that, a, isn't that like an active uh, something? What is that from? That's like a slogan about segregation. That's, That's what it's from. It's, it's from segregation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that. What is that from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Terrible times. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's basically a good synopsis of our podcast. Yep. <laughs> we say something embarrassing, acknowledge it, and move on. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, yeah, we're watching romantic comedies in chronological order. Today we have watched something that used to be on Netflix streaming. So it, it went on our list when it was. It's not currently on Netflix streaming, but people can watch it on Amazon Prime. Ashley, what is it? It's. I watched it on Hulu because it's free oh. on Hulu now. They it's just everywhere. added it. Yeah, it's everywhere now. We're watching. Uh, well, today we watched. Mm-hmm. We watched 2001's Amelie. Yeah. I'm gonna say it's everywhere except Netflix now. <laughs> yeah. What is? Well, because they lost all the Miramax movies. That's yep. why. Yep. Damn you, Miramax. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Netflix knew it was coming. It did. It, it was like prepared and ready mm-hmm. the entire time. Uh, so DVD.com is where we got the description from today. And it says a lot of words that are going to be hurtful to my mouth. Okay. When impish, Amelie finds a long hidden trove of toys behind a baseboard in her apartment she is inspired to return the items to their original owner, an impulse of generosity that speaks more benevolent acts. Sparks. Sparks. That sparks more benevolent acts. I was like, wait, speaks more? What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No? I don't know. It's kind of what it's about. There's a lot of plot in this movie. There's a lot of unnecessary plot in this movie. <laughs> You think it's a lot of unnecessary plot? The beginning is way too fucking long. Like 20 minutes in, I was like, okay, we what? We're introducing another character. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I get it, though. I don't know. This is one of those movies where I'm like, it's 2001. And all I wanted to do was go to college and become a filmmaker. So I went to Midnight Movies and watched Amelie and Donnie Darko. You know, this was that time. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get you. So this was not for me. (laughs) Here's the thing. I have always really appreciated French cinema, but I've also had a very contentious relationship with it. Mm. Like, I find French filmmakers sometimes to be very pretentious and very short-sighted in certain aspects, especially right now during the Me Too movement. We've had some French actresses come out and kind of be like, nothing's wrong with, like, touching and everything, and there's a lot of weirdness in this movie. Mm. That's very... It's and, and I appreciate the French for being very open about their their sexuality and, and sex and, and all that, that stuff. Like, I appreciate it, but at the same time, I'm like, that's not our culture. So if these actresses that came out about Harvey Weinstein have a problem with it, then they have a problem with it, and you don't have any right to say because it's a completely different culture. It's like if we... Bla- like. It's like when we acknowledge French culture where we, we're like, oh, this is a different culture. It makes me uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. it is their culture and I can't say anything quote unquote bad about it. Yeah, totally. Or knock it for it existing, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. And this movie, 2001, it's getting, it, it feels I'm like, oh, that wasn't that long ago. It was. <laughs> we're old, El- uh, Janelle yeah. Justine. <laughs> Just, just feel old. Just, just feeling old. <laughs> yep. As we sip our tea and judge you all. Yeah, but this is definitely a movie like I've owned for a while. I've watched all like the 
behind the scenes and whatever featurettes about like the making of and stuff. And I've seen a lot of the director's other films. I think I've seen most of the famous ones, except for Micmacs. I don't think I saw Micmacs, but um, all all the other ones and a bunch of Audrey Totu uh, Totu movies. Totu. She became huge after this. Oh yeah. So why don't you get into the the who's who? Okay, so this movie stars Audrey Tutu, as we already mentioned. Matthew, Matthew, it's got the Ma- I and the E, and it's like, I think it's Matthew. Matthew? Matthew, Matthew. Uh, Matthew Koskovich, Kovic, and Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> My man, Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> the naked mole rat from, uh, oh. uh, what was that? What was that show? Kim Possible. Kim Possible. <laughs> Uh, yes, Rufus the Naked Mole Rat is in this. He's in the background, mostly in the in the in the windmill, the two windmills. But you'll see him. Yeah, yeah. He's the thing that Amelie is always looking for in the background that nobody notices in movies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was directed by Jean Pierre Jeunet. Mm -hmm. Jeunet. Jeunet. And it was edited by Harvey. Or Harvey. I, I'm gonna go with Kel. <laughs> Cause you don't pronounce Hel. the H. So and then you don't pronounce like the other oh. things. Hell. Hell. I can't like <laughs> like you have spit in the back. Like that's literally what my French teacher told me. It's like you have French in the back of your or uh, not French. Eh. It's like you have spit in the back of your throat. Sinead, Shanid, Schneid. Schneid yeah. The editor, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the assistant editors was Celine Kelbeckis. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. I've got nothing to offer on that. <laughs> I'll just say it with a French accent and pretend Ooh. it's real. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. We're mm-hmm. good. We are all good. Now it's Russian. I don't know. You always <laughs> go to Russian. <laughs> well, maybe I've been hacked by the Russians. Well, we're going to spend all the time on the podcast just slowly pronouncing f- <laughs> the names. <laughs> the other assistant editor was Jan Malkor. Okay. Malko. Yeah. Malko. Uh, the avid technician who was uncredited. Why are these avid technicians never credited? But his name was Arnaud Schau. I have no idea. Kasho? Kasha? Kakosho? Kakosho? Well, we always credit the avid technicians on our show. Yeah. Because we love Avid. This, yes. show, this show is actually edited in Avid. <laughs> yes. Uh, currently awaiting our Avid sponsorship. <laughs> yes. We will mention Ooh. Avid in every show. We could get a new a free subscription. They just changed the model. You could get Script Sync and we can get all up cool up in here. They already have all my money. <laughs> That's they, true. They took it all. Yeah. They're going to take all of mine when the new IO box releases because it looks pretty. Mm. The movie is rated R for sexual content. It's two hours and two minutes long, and it's rated four stars on DVD.com. And it is in French. It is a French-language movie with some spurts of English, German, and one more other language that I can't remember. Mm. At the 2002 Independent Spirit Awards, it was there for Best Foreign Film. Oh, it won Best Foreign Film. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, at the 2002 BAFTAs, it was nominated for Best Director for Jean-Pierre Jeunet, for Best Actress, Audrey Toto. It was nominated also for Best Film and Best Foreign Language Film, which Ooh, is rare for yeah. it to be nominated as Best Film and Best Foreign Language. That's interesting. Two categories. I'm just surprised it didn't win. At the Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film for 2002. At the 2002 Academy Awards a.k.a. now rebranded as the Oscars. It was nominated for Best Sound. It was also nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, and Best Writing Original Screenplay. All nomination, no wins. That is crazy that it would be nominated in so many categories as a foreign film. Mm-hmm. And the not Academy normally doesn't win. do that. No. And not win... Best foreign language film. Sansa. Oh, wait. What was this year? The 74th Academy Awards. Research. Oh, it was a beautiful mind that took everything. What? That's bullshit. 
As Beautiful Mind took uh, Best Picture, Best Director, No Man's Land won for Best Foreign Language Film from Bosnia. Okay. It was well, the year. It was the year of the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. and Beautiful Mind. Beautiful Mind pretty much took everything. Wow. Except for oh, that was also Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge, of that's, course. That's why uh, Amelie wa- lost oh. Best Art Direction, and then Lord of the Rings took Best Cinematography. Fantastic films. It was a good year. This was a, this was a hard year because. Best editing had Black Hawk Down, A Beautiful Mind, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Memento, and Moulin Rouge. That's a hard, whoa, that's a hard list, right? Wow. Yeah, that was that would be like this year where I'm like, people can win, it'd be fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Nothing is uh, bad this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not like last year where fucking La La Land took everything and it was undeserving. Ugh. Okay, so you had never seen all of Amelie. No, I'd seen clips, definitely, especially the orgasm clip. <laughs> Everybody, okay, so in my film classes, when I was first starting out as a young film student, get off my lawn, <laughs> they all were obsessed with weed and sex. Mm, and so well, yeah. we saw a lot of clips about weed, mm-hmm. a lot of stoner clips, a lot of Seth Rogen clips. A lot um, of sex clips. So I've seen probably the orgasm scene so many times. It's like, that's that can't... Why are you screaming? Why are you murdering these women? Was, wait, did you watch a lot of Requiem for a Dream clips? Yes. Yes. So much so that I never want to see Requiem for... I've never seen it <laughs> going into film school. And I've seen so many clips of it that I'm just like, fuck this movie. Like, yeah. fuck everybody's obsession with this stupid ass movie. We watched a lot of that. And people were also obsessed with Snatch at the time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot of Snatch clips. Everybody was also obsessed with the social network when that came out in my Uh-oh. film classes. Like the ed- like people kept talking about oh like the editing it's gonna win best editing and I'm like it's a terrible like story and I can't get behind it winning anything fuck you Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> <laughs> the green fairy scene from Moulin Rouge was also played a lot mm-hmm. getting getting high off that green fairy <laughs> uh, okay enough of those film students making movies about murdering their girlfriends which they 100% do. That's all of their first year movies. <laughs> that and um, were you still working at the uh, as a TA the year that somebody did a Golden Showers film project? Ugh, what year was that? Two thousand and seven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, somebody. I can't remember who pulled Dennis in because I wasn't working there. I was just at the the uh, post center getting my drive when this all went around. Like. They were like, somebody shot their Bolex project for first year, mm-hmm. and it's all about golden showers. And you actually saw an actor give an actress golden showers. Ooh. Okay. Full, full dick and balls on film. That's, That's- the school I went to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. This, this is off topic. We're talking about yeah. film school. I just made one about suicide. So, you know, I was still cool and edgy, but nobody was murdering anybody except for themselves. My movies were about conformity. Damn the man. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they were. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Amelie. (laughs) The starting music, like as soon as I put the movie on, the starting music makes me so happy. I really enjoyed the intro because, I mean... I think what what bothered me the most is that you have straight narration for the majority of the first act. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like if you can't tell your story without a narrator, it's boring to me. It gets boring having somebody like constantly talking at me. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like I'm experiencing a movie. And I know that that is completely subjective and that is only that's that's personally to me. And I think I've just always had this huge aversion to voiceover. It makes me kind of cringe and like it's 
it feels like you're just doing it to fix a problem. So it feels wrong in a way. But I really did like the opening and this is the date. And then this is the the day that Amelie was born. And then we get to see a baby being pushed out of a vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they pulled her out by her feet. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that baby was in breach. That's not good. <laughs> Amelie had a lot of problems as a child. Like yep. uh, her neglectful parents. Who like to clean things. Yeah, put them back in place. Yes. I feel like the beginning is just there. Okay, first of all, I think the voiceover narration sets up a kind of like once upon a time storybook to this whole like fantasy aspect of the movie. It's highly fantastical. Yeah. Um, And then setting up why Amelie is the way she is, why she has her overactive imagination where she gets her spitefulness from uh, her revenge tactics, which we see against the the guy watching football. <laughs> that I liked. Like, because that felt, it was a good chunk of time where there was no, no, you were, get, you were being told the story visually and then the, the comedic timing and that was, was fun. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for me to digest this movie. I, like, I'm going to start, I'm going to throw that out there right now because it's, I've had a very contentious relationship with film, uh, French films. I yeah. can't help it. I'm like trying really hard to like everything and then also being like, stop talking to me. Let me watch Amelie. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a lot. And it's a lot to process. Like it, it takes like multiple kind of viewings. But once we get into like adult Amelie and mm-hmm. the cafe where she works and like, we've we were seeing the dynamic of her life kind of play out i'm like oh this is cute and i can see why people connect to this a lot yeah i just like the whole beginning part i think is just to set up that amelie is a quirky introvert and this is a movie about a quirky introvert who yeah. does quirky things and lots of breaking and entering yes <laughs> see she's just there's the thing you like about it <laughs> You find the thing you connect to. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fu- it, it was definitely fun. I didn't hate it like I thought I was going to. Because mm. I, I, I guess on this podcast specifically, the last, like, quote-unquote French movie that we watched, Katherine Heigl was in a thong, and she was 15 years old, and she was pretending to date her dad, and it's just like, stop it, people. Why? <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's just like that uncomfortable feeling. But once we kind of got going, I really enjoyed the ride. Yeah. The photo book, the photo book was just perfect and and using the photo book as a as the credit piece was just lovely. It tied mm-hmm. everything together. Even though the majority of the male characters really kind of gave me like felt like ants were crawling up my skin a They're little bit. They're problematic. Very in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Especially Cafe Dude. Like uh, Joseph, yeah, he was a stalker and should have been arrested for harassment a long ass time ago. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and he 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 really did seem like he was stabbing Georgette with his penis <laughs> when they were having sex. Uh, wild like, bathroom sex. Yeah, it's like the earth was moving. It's like Carol King just showed up and it's just like the earth moves <laughs> under my feet. I'm like, okay, they didn't do it. Okay, well, the <laughs> catalyst for this main part of the movie starts with the death of Princess Diana. Yes, which really shows puts you in the 90s. Yeah, 97. 97. I like that's what I remember of 97, and I was what eight years old. So, and I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood, but I remember the morning we found out that Princess Di died. Mm-hmm. And, like, we were, it was Labor Day weekend. We were um, camping that we did every Labor Day. And they had heard it over the radio. And so it had, like, just flowed through the campsite. And there were people crying and really upset. And I was just like, but why are we all upset about her? She's some British lady from across, like, the ocean. You know, eight-year-old, like, this does not affect me in any way. And then you find out, oh, it's a princess? Holy fuck. 
This mm. is tragic, guys. We have lost our only princess. The young princess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it really it really does set you in the time. And it's kind of interesting that that's the catalyst for, for everything because there's so much destruction throughout the first, the beginning and bullying and, you know, Princess Di's life was kind of about those things. Mm. When you go back and read like about her life and how she wanted to make sure that the downtrodden were really helped and like now she's gone. Like the the parallel that they were trying to make between Amelie wanting to kind of take over that mantle but be like in the shadows instead of be photographed. Mm-hmm. Because a lot at the time, that's what everybody thought killed Princess Di was paparazzi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and I still think that's a that's a common theme is that they were trying to avoid the paparazzi and that's why they were going as fast as they were and then that's what caused the accident yes fuck you paparazzi yeah um so yeah she's startled by the news drops her her like perfume bottle cap and i thought it was vodka (laughs) (laughs) in the bathroom yeah you know (laughs) you (laughs) i've been in your bathroom no (laughs) she's taking a nice bath yeah. Having a glass of wine or vodka or something. Mm. So then that rolls and knocks over the, what do you call it? It's the like tile. a tile. Yeah, like a baseboard tile. Mm-hmm. And then she finds the secret box from somebody else's childhood. Which, why were they hiding it in the bathroom? That's my first question. Probably because of the tile, but yeah, that's a good question. This was the part where I like squirmed in on the couch because i i don't like touching dust i really hate it because the idea you're touching like dead human skin cells like really freaks me out i don't like that she tips the 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 top open over her floor when she's got the sink right next to her i was like you just got dirt (laughs) everywhere girl (laughs) but she like touches it with her bare hand she like rubs her hand up against the floor and i'm like no stop it (laughs) there's termites and dead skin and everything right there and i can't do it i can't and sam was like are you okay and i'm like no this is a tragic moment in my life right now (laughs) this is a horror film Oh, God. Yeah. That's all you would need for a horror film. People yeah. just touching dust. Yeah. And you're like, I, I'm done. Yeah. Done. I leave the room. <laughs> Tell me when it's over. <laughs> okay. So she, like, vows to find the owner of the box. And if that person is happy about it, then she'll commit to doing good things for people. Like,. <laughs> Like, why not just do good things for people in general? <laughs> that was just my, like, mm-hmm. she really left a whole lot of things up to fate. But mm-hmm. then she was like, I'm going to be fate. Like, yeah. there was a switch in her that she's like, oh, this act. Now I am fate. Yeah. She became a bit of a meddler. And not some things turned out really well. Some things didn't. But I don't know. It's like she wasn't... I guess she just wasn't like living her life or making her life exciting, but yeah. she got the excitement by watching other people get surprises and things like that. When people are like that in general, like that's why people watching is such a fascinating thing. Like mm-hmm. people enjoy watching other people. Otherwise movies would have been dead a long ass time ago. So it's, it's interesting that that's what the movie kind of had I don't know if that was the main theme of it though I thought the main theme of it was learning to accept love in your life and that's it's not going to be destroyed constantly even if it hurts you mm. like lo- love is worth it I got the the theme of of take a risk for yourself because that's what the glass man at the end encourages her to do yeah that's definitely one. Uh, for me, it was, you know, you have to accept love into your life or you're not you're not really living. Yeah. So especially like when she she tries to talk to um, Nico for the first time in the cafe and then he leaves and she just falls into a puddle. Yeah. Like that was just like, oh, yeah, see, it hurts you. It really does hurt you. And I felt like that was just 
the that visual cue is trying to pull you back um, to when her mom made her let go of her goldfish. Mm. Like that was her like believing that love is always just going to destroy you. Oh yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so she gets the name of who used to live there from Colin Young, the the grocer, who's a very mean guy. I didn't understand and- why he was so mean. Like. In America, if your boss hates you that much, they would just fire you. They wouldn't just sit there and, like, pick at you. Yeah. Like, every day. If you're that angry with Lucian, then just fire him. Or, Lucian, why don't you go find another job, bro? Like, you... I understand, like, you love touching all of the fruits and the vegetables, and you treat them with care like a good man, but, dude, just just leave this asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I wanted him to get more of a comeuppance, too. Yeah, that would have been nice. Because although he was terrified of his house at the end, he didn't know why. Like, in, in if you're going to punish somebody, at least make them know, why, uh, let them know why so that they can learn from it. Like, mm. the punishment doesn't necessarily feel like a punishment when you don't have any, like, it's like when you punish a child for no reason. Yeah. They're still going to continue to have that behavior. It just it'll also probably make it worse because you're not reinforcing the good behavior and punishing the bad behavior. Yeah. It's also like training your dog. Really mm-hmm. everything is just like training your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Life lessons. So, right after this when she's going through the train station, she goes to the train station a lot to go to her dad's yes. who lives out in the country. Oh, she lives in Mamart. The city of Marmotte, which uh, also is where Moulin Rouge takes place. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It's a suburb of Paris. It's like, yeah, it's right outside of Paris. She sees Nino under the, the photo booth for the first time there. And they like catch eyes sort of thing. Her heart beats super fast. She's at her dad's where we meet the, the garden gnome. <laughs> I love the garden gnome. And I love yes. that he went on a journey and then that became the Travelocity gnome in my yes, mind. <laughs> yes, yes. Dude, it wasn't until this time watching it that I realized that she had, like, given the gnome to, like, a flight attendant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her flight attendant, who is her, her her neighbor who watches her cat, like, that that same person. Like, I didn't even realize. Like, I thought she, like, gave it to somebody to Photoshop. <laughs> Uh, I love the the line when she gives the gnome back. She's like, the damage is already done, so call me anytime. And she's like, what damage? Mm-hmm. And she's like, everybody calls me Snow White now. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's always carrying around her dwarf friend. Yeah, I love the gnome storyline with the dad. That That's the cute. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and that one makes sense because it's enforcing a behavior by using like a connection so that you know where it's coming from in a sense like he probably thought that the his wife Mm -hmm. sent the gnome on a journey to get him out of the house yeah which is good yeah you know that's what everybody's dead wife's spirit does well i i I like when movies do kind of touch on moving on after grief because i think it's really easy for us to sit and Mm -hmm be kind of stuck in our grief and be obsessed with it with the missing aspect of missing somebody so much so when a movie kind of takes it and is like no it's healthy for you to move on you can still love and appreciate the person but you can't idolize them and put them on a pedestal because they're dead yeah so amelie has had a failed search of finding dominique brotode because the name is wrong, which she it's, learns from like the glass man. Yeah. But 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 yeah. But I cannot hear the difference when like the guy says it. He's like it's d not d, and I'm like you said the exact same thing. Well, it's a T sound, not a D sound. I logically understand that. Cannot hear the difference. Oh, maybe it's just because I took French and I I I could hear a difference. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so she does track down Dominique and she puts the, the box in a phone booth and calls the phone booth. 
as he's walking by and he finds it and he loves it and now he wants to reconnect with his daughter and grandson because of it. Yeah. That man was emotional as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen a man cry that much in American cinema ever. (laughs) We need our men to cry. All of them need to cry. It's okay to cry. It releases things in your brain that helps you heal. Mm -hmm. She's back at the train station. She had missed the train. I know I'm going to be skipping around a lot because there's a lot of... There's a a lot. Yeah. There's this other mystery. Like there's like multiple... There's also like layers of mysteries. (laughs) So there's this other mystery of who the uh, mysterious red shoes guy is. So, like, the next time she sees Nino, he sees this guy and starts running after him, but can't get him. And she's following Nino. Yeah. So, while that Red Shoes guy escapes, Nino gets on his bike and bikes after him, drops his bag with the photo album in it, which Amelie picks up. And she's like, this mine now? Yeah. I also like that she keeps the bag and then never gives him his little, like, bike saddle bag back. Oh, yeah. Like, what did she do with that? I really want to know. (laughs) She probably did something weird with it. (laughs) That's why I want to know. Turned it into a planter. I don't know. That's what her dad would have (laughs) done. That's true. So, Amelie is interfering with other people's lives. And she's trying to hook up Georgette, the woman who works at the cigarette counter, and Joseph, the guy who is obsessed with Gina, the waitress. I hated this. I hated this so much. Yeah. No idea. I was like, honey, you are setting this, your your supposed friend up for abuse. I don't like this. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I have a soft spot for uh, Dominique Pignon because he's in every one of Jean-Pierre Jeunet's movies. That's understandable. I just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, he's he doesn't learn. He doesn't anything. learn, and he's also, like, stereotypical white man, like, toxic masculinity type. Yeah. Especially when um, the owner of the cafe says, women need air... He's like, no, if you let women have air, they're just going to brush you off. And it's like, dude, what the fuck idea? Like, no, if you're going to if if the woman constantly pestered you, how do you think you would feel? It's just Mm -hmm. like that that whole that whole storyline really upset me. Yeah. Like on a very visceral level. I was very. Yeah. I mean, just like thinking about the women at their place of work are just like getting frustrated every day and when they're being stalked and their mm-hmm. their movements are basically being documented and recorded yeah. and you know I've, I've had a stalker before and it is the most uncomfortable violation of something that just feels like such a human thing to have yeah it's surprising that Suzette didn't do anything yeah, like why why didn't she kick him out? Why wasn't he arrested? Why didn't the like there's like a whole there's lots of questions for <laughs> Joseph. You know what I have? <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, why? What Joseph. are your intentions? Joseph Pourquoi? What is that? Yes. <laughs> Pourquoi Joseph? Joseph Pourquoi why? Joseph. Pourquoi Joseph? Okay, so um, Colin Young has forgotten his keys in his door. So Amelie makes a copy. <laughs> well, she tries to give him back first. She I does will try give her give credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then is this the part where he smacks the thing out of Lucien's hand or smacks Lucien? He says, "Is this, I think he says his, his mom must have peed or somebody peed in his mom and got yeah. Lucien. Like really horrible, nasty stuff. Yeah, and so Amelie's like, uh-uh, bitch. Yeah, she's just like, JK, bye. <laughs> I like when she said nothing, and the camera like just, like, I normally hate Dolly push-ins like that that are super fast, <gasps> but, like, the that one was so perfect because, like, the, fa- the, the facial expression that she had was just like, oh, my God, she's going to murder his ass. There's so many Dolly push-ins in this movie. Yes. Did you hate it? Some of them. Some of them. I, because I don't, 
it was used in a way that I was I was a little annoyed with. Like it, it's it's almost like they did this. I understand the purpose behind it. It was trying to really put emphasis on the the action that was happening and the audience gets really close to the the action and the character itself, but it was just like, I don't like the way that it was edited. Mm. Like the way it was paired with certain things. So it's just, it's just like, I wouldn't do it that way, but I'm not going to criticize you really that hard for it because I don't know. I just don't like it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but people do like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's something that they did it so much here that it's been parodied a lot. So, Maybe we just see an overabundance of it now, and it's just like, oh, they're doing the Amelie thing. Yeah. No, like, and I feel like when Jean Pierre Jeanette, you know, did a very long engagement with Audrey Tutu, it's just like it. That film was way more like style over substance because it was kind of just like recreating this. Yeah, I can see that one hundred percent. Because it it it, it it it's successful in certain aspects. There are definitely successful things that I'm like, oh, that's where this is from. Like uh, some of the whimsy aspect. Um, I really liked when she was going through and making the letter, and they did the 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 speed up. I mm-hmm. really liked that. Yeah, and you using... never saw ramp ups like that before. Yeah, that was really cool because you could definitely tell that this was the first time that they had really kind of experimented with that Mm -hmm. there are just times where i'm like okay too much too much i'm done (laughs) yeah we we haven't seen much experimenting like this in a film since like annie hall (laughs) yeah and and this reminded me so much of roman holiday in the aspect of we're actually on location in france these are not sets this is like we're doing things with the camera work and choreography with the camera oh yes it was very similar in that regard. Like mm-hmm. it felt new, but also familiar. No, yeah. The direct, like so many things are chosen. And I mean, a lot of things, of course, are chosen for that had to match the color palette that they were doing in every scene. Like every scene has the specific uh, red, green with a touch of blue a color palette or other, yeah. you know, yellow, green with a touch of red, like those three colors. So they found like specific train stations that had the green in them, you know, like specific locations. But and then the other places like the the market were much more digitally enhanced so that it looked green, you know, mm-hmm. just in the marketplace. <laughs> there were parts of it that you could see that it like it didn't 100% age well in the process and maybe this is just the hulu conversion there were there was some definite uh weirdness going on with her hair at one point that i noticed where it looked blue almost Mm. even though it was supposed to be black so it was like oh feels like the white balance is off but that it 100 could have been hulu yeah Okay, in the story, oh yes, so Amelie performs some little tricks on Colin Young just to, she's literally like making him feel crazy. She's driving him crazy because at the end of the whole deal, when he goes to call his mom, he gets the psychology hotline. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I found this part, I did, I really found it funny, but part of me was also like, but why are crazy people the butt end of the joke? right yeah there's a fine line between comedy and making fun of something a lot of times some movies go and cross over into something where making fun of is more what ends up coming off instead of the comedy aspect comedy is supposed to be a like a commentary a, a humorous commentary about the human condition so when you start going in where you're you're being a bit more judgmental and a bit more with malice in your joke, it can kind of become not great. Like, I, I think this happens a lot with rape jokes nowadays. Um, sometimes stoner humor can do this, where we get really into mocking. I mean, you saw it. You've seen it throughout history where, where things have... They started off as jokes, but like blackface started off as a joke, but it's very offensive now mm-hmm. because it's not commenting on anything. It's just mocking something. I guess yeah. that's a better way of saying it. 
So um, Nino is looking for his bag. So he puts up a lost bag, you know, and his number. I mean, not his number. The the, porn shop. Porn palace number. (laughs) Where he on occasion works. I guess he does not have a phone. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that my review for this was uh, quirky girl uh, plus dicks on dicks on dicks. Yes, there are we'll save that so for the end. many dildos <laughs> so in many this shop. Dildos. And then when she calls the number finally, mm-hmm. and they ask if she has a hairy pie, it's like what? Fur pie doesn't sell. <laughs> Fur pie doesn't sell because she's calling about the ad. Yeah, <laughs> but it's more about Nino's ad. Not the porn shop's ad. <laughs> yes. Ugh, miscommunication. So so she does not contact Nino at that point. No. What, what was the room that Samantha was in? I just remember the... I, I for some reason, remember Samantha's name. <laughs> <laughs> it was a peep show. Oh, okay. But I was just so confused. I was like, is it on the internet? Is it on live or is she being recorded? Is she? No, it appears to me that she's in a room and then you can go in a booth that is in another separate room and you can watch her dance for a period of time. Like you can rent the room to do your business and watch this girl dance. Oh, okay. So it's like a strip club, but private. Yeah. Okay. That's how I understand it. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of all that, yes, Georgette and Joseph uh, get freaky in the two windmills bathroom. Didn't like it. Mm. I mean, I liked it. It was funny. But at the same time, I was like, she going to get hurt. No. He's going to hurt her. No, I mean, like, emotionally. I didn't think she was going to die. He was definitely stabbing her with his penis. But, like, I didn't think. Yeah, she was she was totally okay and consenting in that regard. Except her, like before in that scene where he's oh, like touching flirting her. with her, and he like tries to touch her necklace, but then sticks his finger down her shirt and into her bra. I was like, no, this is a workplace. You were at a restaurant, sir. Her décolletage. Yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> okay, so Amelie goes to the porno place, the porno palace. Sorry. And and learns uh, a little more about the many jobs and quirks of Nino. <laughs> he is also quirky. <laughs> a little stalkery, but not to the mm-hmm. point where it's like Joseph level. No. So he's working at the fun fair. So she goes to the fun fair and goes on the ghost train ride to see him. <laughs> Was that really him? Apparently. It doesn't look like him, does it? No. Mm-mm. I was, because I was slightly confused, because she goes in, and first, like, first of all, the ride was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It was shot amazingly, and I wish Disney would let you do this in, uh, when they change the Haunted Mansion into the the, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas version, Mm -hmm. because it reminded me of that, Mm. and I was just like, I just want... That ride filmed per po- for posterity <laughs> in this fashion because it was so cool. Yeah. But then, like, Skeleton Man comes out and he, like, touches her neck mm-hmm. and then possibly is fondling her. I wasn't 100% sure. I don't think he was fondling her. His Just shoulder like... was moving. That's why. Oh, okay. I don't I was know. Like, I don't know if he was just like rubbing on her shoulder or if he was on her boob or down in wow. the downstairs. I didn't know. I, I just knew his arm was moving. <laughs> I need a rewatch. I wasn't focused on any of the subtitles at that point. I was just trying to figure out what he was doing with his arms. Don't worry. The subtitle was woo. Yeah. <laughs> I, then, it, then it like cuts away and he's walking out of the ride. Mm-hmm. So you never see her exit the ride. So I was just a little confused. Mm. I know you don't necessarily need to see ex- entrance and exits, which is it's weird because the majority of time European film does a lot of entrances and exits for for whatever reason. I just they do a lot of walking up to things and then out of things. And then so I was kind of 
confused, I guess, because I was thinking in terms of this is an international film. Yeah. So she is starting a little game with Nino. She makes him follow the arrows up to a top of the hill to look through, what do they call it? Like a telescope? A little spyglass? Yeah, it's like a, 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 they have them at Griffith Observatory. Mm -hmm. You pay like a quarter or something and then you can look through and see things through a telescope. Yeah, so he sees her put the photo album back on his bike and he's like, hey, hey, and he, I think it's just fun because, like, she made him, without him knowing, go so far away from her. Well, it's like a bike. scavenger hunt. I think that's mm -hmm. the, the fun, the, the, the thing that I like the most about it is the relationship was built through a scavenger hunt. Yeah. <laughs> it's too cute. So she put the photos of herself in the book and says, do you want to meet me? And then he takes that. And I'm jumping ahead and he puts up photos. He puts up flyers by all the photo book, photo booths with where and when. So it's the way they're communicating is, is pretty cute. Pretty cute. Yeah, I agree. But we haven't talked about Glassman. Yeah, I know. I feel Glassman. like I didn't take a lot of notes with him because he really doesn't do much except for tell Amelie what she's already doing. I agree. And I, I liked his character mm -hmm. just from the aspect that he is locked away and in society. Like, he's so locked away painting all the time and he wants to get his Renoir painting just right. Because mm -hmm. he wants... He, I think he's like... At least from what I got from it is he's trying to be somebody... That he can never be like he's right. trying to be something from him, so different from himself because he can't do certain things. Right. And I, I really like that aspect because then at the end when you see him he's actually painting that same painting but in his own style and I thought that was lovely. Oh. I, it's because it's the same it's the same Renoir painting mm -hmm. it's the same lunch scene. But mm -hmm. it's in his. It's completely in his own style. It's not Renoir anymore. So I thought, like, through he learned with Amelie, kind of the whole like, he he realized that his his regret was he never got to be himself, and he he's now too late, in a way, right? And he doesn't want that to happen for Amelie. We're almost nearing the end because all mm -hmm. the pieces are starting to come together. Like, all these little things. She's put, like, Amelie has figured out who the ghost man is. He's a repair man. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was, when she was taking uh, another photo for Nino, he comes and is like, I gotta fix my shit. Mm-hmm. And opens the, the curtain, and she's like, <gasps> and then we fade away. Yeah. But she's taking that picture to leave him leave Nino another puzzle piece and that one has her in the Zorro mask holding the sign to meet her at the two windmills yes and um yeah this is the meeting that you had talked about where she could talk to him but she doesn't she has um not Georgette but what's the Gina other? Gina she has Gina slip him a note yes because she can't talk to him which it's interesting the way that they portrayed anxiety mm -hmm. <laughs> because you think that she has all this confidence by now. Yeah. And yes. then she doesn't. And then she just like completely destroys herself and goes back to little girl. Gonna She likes the fantasy more than she likes the reality. Yes. Reality is hard to face. And that's, I think, another theme of Amelie. Yeah. So it's a it, multi-themed, faceted movie. Yeah, that's cool. You can always get a lot of things. It's just like, yeah, you can live the fantasy for a long time, and it just makes it so easy. And reality so hard. When she likes the chase, I really do think that she likes like setting up these little things mm -hmm. for him to figure out because it's so personal, but also yeah. so depersonal that it keeps him at that distance that she needs. Yeah, him at. yeah. What should we jump to next? Oh, the glass man saying that she should take the risk and talk to the man. 
Because he's figured out that she's the one who's leaving videotapes for him. Because she wants him to experience the world. So she sends yeah. him these videotapes of these interesting things. Yeah. And she's seen him do his do her other tricks because she he can see into her apartment. <laughs> yeah. So Amelie clogs up the photo booth and Nino finds her note. He then is able to go there and solve the mystery. Like she gives him the gift of here's the mystery that you've been struggling with. The ghost here's, man. Here's the answer to the ghost man. There's a repair man. And Amelie's there Again, to talk to him, but wimps out again. Yeah. And kind of like fate intervenes with like the, the stuff coming in front of her and he disappears. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that for a second. Yeah. Gina has taken it into her own hands at this point to kind of talk to Nino and kind of vet him. Be like, oh, it's Amelie who likes you and I just want to make sure that you're a cool guy. <laughs> She's a real friend. Yeah. <laughs> And then, um, I guess, apparently tells him where she lives. Again, a cultural difference. <laughs> yeah. It's a small town. <laughs> it but, is. But, like, Amelie's there, and she's kind of daydreaming about, like, what would happen if he'd come over, you know. And the fantasy. The fantasy. Yeah, she's having the fantasy. But also, at the same time, is it really happening? Like, are the two worlds meeting right now? What is she to do? And this is, like, the, the climax of the movie, you know? Yeah, because you see she has this beaded thing mm-hmm. by her kitchen. And in her fantasy, he plays with her and messes with that for a little bit. And then you see the beads rattle a little bit. And mm-hmm. then it's her adorable cat. Yeah. Who doesn't have a name, but he's oh, beautiful. The cat's name is Audrey, which I learned oh, in this viewing. <laughs> did not, re- I did not get catch that. Mm-hmm. But Audrey is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. A beautiful calico cat. Okay, I'm done yeah. talking about the cat. <laughs> okay, so like Nino is there at the door and he's like knocking. He's like, Amelie, Amelie. And she doesn't open the door. And so like he leaves for a second. He says, I'll be back. I'll be in back. A note. Yeah. The glass man. At this man, point, have we heard Nino speak very Like, how did he speak much at all in the movie? He talked to his boss at the porn palace. Okay. Because I feel like we haven't heard him speak a lot in yeah. the movie. I mean, they both don't speak a lot. Her, I understand. Like, yeah. I, and he's similar, so I guess it makes sense. It was just like a thing that I realized. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, so then the glass man gives her a tape and is just like, leave. Leave your life, Amelie. I don't know. Live. Live. Take risks. You're not going to live life to the fullest. You're going to become, your heart is going to become as dry and brittle as my bones. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Queen glass man. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes to open the door and there's Nino. And there's like the, Ugh, the adorable like kissing game that they do yeah yes yeah. yes yeah and it's then the, the the close-up of the cat who is yeah. into it too i was like i'm with the cat <laughs> you whenever you cut to a cat you know the people fucking <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just like the, the the expression on the cat's face he was just like Ugh. like dumbfounded and then eyes were also kind of sleepy mm-hmm. and i was just like kitty so they they get together. He's, Amelie he's is happy. He's getting the kitty. He's hmm? getting the kitty while the kitty is watching. <laughs> the kitty loves to watch. The kitty loves to watch the 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 kitty penetration. Whoa! Cause, oh, because because cats or never mind. <laughs> Pussy is a euphemism for vagina. Now everybody should get it. Okay, you get it. We're talking about <laughs> pussy. <laughs> <laughs> He's petting the kitty. He's petting the kitty. Okay. <laughs> so we see little things are wrapping up. We see like Botadu and the grandson. We see the dad going to travel. We see, most importantly, Amelie on the back of Nino's bike and they're being adorable together because I feel like that part gives to me that they are a couple that lasts. Yeah. Well, and, and the the speed ramping that they did with it, it made it feel like it wasn't just one day. It made it feel like it it was just going on forever mm-hmm. in the visuals or it was just like it was layer on top of layer on top of layer of the same thing essentially happening but at different instances in time yeah 
Okay, that's the end. That's the end of Amelie. Oof, we got it all, mostly. We I know we missed a lot of things. I'm sorry if we missed your favorite part about it, but there's a lot of Amelie. Tell us in the comments. Yeah, hit us in the comments below. Ashley, I feel so. like you've already done your hashtag accurate, which I loved. Was it like quirky, quirky girl oh. and lots of dildos? <laughs> quirky girl falls in love. Dicks on top of dicks. Or dicks, dicks on, on dicks, dicks on dicks on dicks. On dicks, on dicks. On dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag dicks on dicks on dicks on dicks. <laughs> we gonna get banned for this one. <laughs> okay. Um, let's rate this sucker. I already have my rating. Go right ahead. Okay, I'm rating this movie five traveling gnomes. <gasps> I love it. It it's it's wholesome and it's beautiful and it's travelocity. <laughs> There's another review. <laughs> <laughs> a great big advertisement for Travelocity. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, this podcast is not sponsored by Travelocity, no. so don't sue us. <laughs> Free advertising, guys. Uh, I'm going to rate it 3.75 giant white dildos. Yes. Work, work, work. <laughs> They were they were huge. They were really big dildos. Yeah. <laughs> they were like they were monster like, size. Like not just in length but in circumference. Yeah. Like it was like this. Yeah. They didn't have like regular ones to start you out with. They were just no. like these are the ones that we have. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. Well, I mean the vagina is very stretchy and elastic and it can handle yeah. a, a a very decent pounding. No, I know, but I mean, normally you build yourself up to that, but I mean, go for it. <laughs> anyway, you do next you week, giant dildo buyers. <laughs> you come to the cutaways for your dildo facts. <laughs> Hashtag dildo facts. I mean, we did talk about the the shape of water dildo for a good portion of one of the episodes somewhere. So we did, yes. <laughs> okay. Next time on the podcast, Ashley's going to be very excited because we're watching 2001's The Princess Diaries. We're we're bringing the connections in finally, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, yes. Yes. <laughs> like if you don't know about like the cutaways wall of like strings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We'll save it all for next time. It's going to be good. Yes. Yes. <sighs> okay. Did you like this podcast? I bet you did. <laughs> dicks on dicks on dicks. Dicks on dicks on dicks. There's going to be some more content you can enjoy at our Patreon. <laughs> so become a patron and support us at patreon.com slash cutawayspodcast. Our website is thecutaways.com. It's lovely. You should go visit it. Yeah, you should. Viva Lapine is a big staple of the website. Or at least it should be now that we have a second French movie mm -hmm. that Oh my god, yes. Deals we with always dicks. talk about penises when we watch French movies. <laughs> Viva Lapine. Viva Lapine. Okay. Um our, we're, we are on the internet on at tw on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. And you can leave us comments and rate us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and your favorite podcatcher. Listen, I see you guys leaving us ratings, and I love it. Leave us reviews so we can read them on here. We've gotten a couple more five-star ratings on iTunes, but just drop us a note. Say hi. Let us know what you like. Oh, well, if you like us that much, then yeah. Yeah. Give us a give us a happy face. Yeah, we see you. We wanna we wanna talk to you. We love you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. <laughs> we value your existence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should I couldn't think of another aphorism, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. This was lovely. Thanks for joining oh, our Thank our you, Justine. Part. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wrap this fucker up. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to say bye. Ready? Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Dicks on dicks. <laughs> I'm Nicole Finari. And I'm Stacey Moore. And we're the hosts of Movies That Matter, the podcast about recent films going above and beyond the call of box office returns to boldly explore a social issue affecting people's lives. Nothing's off limits, from art house films to action blockbusters to animated kids' movies, 
every film has something to say, whether we like it or not. Check out Movies That Matter on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, because movies matter. And so do you.